You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 221, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. Los Angeles's Harry the Nightgown returns for their second appearance on the podcast for this episode. Since the release of their excellent analog-centric self-titled debut in 2020, the songwriting duo of Spencer Hartling and Sammy Perez have leaned further into the electronic elements of their sound, which blossomed on their 2021 singles, The Paint and If You Were Wrong. Last month, the duo released the follow-up to their first full-length, an EP titled Airy the Light Cloud, which sees them further exploring more digital proclivities while still staying true to the pop sensibilities they develop in the analog recording realm. During our interview, Spencer and Sammy share a song-by-song breakdown of the EP, including their thought process behind certain unique sonic choices. Plus, they chatted about the current happenings at their LA-based studio Wiggle World, their experiences touring in 2022, and much more. The two also picked some awesome records from my collection, including classics from Wire, Stereolab, and New Order. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. So what's up, Harry the Nightgown? How are you? We are good. We are on tour right now. We are in Washington. Um, happy to be here. Are there sheep here? There are sheep here. <laughs> we nice. are the Did you pet pet any of the sheep? <laughs> Did you touch their We haven't coats? pet any of the sheep yet, but we stared at them. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. I hear sheep <laughs> I are good wait. at staring. We're going to. Right? They're good yeah. at staring. They probably stare back effectively. They they are yeah. I but I went outside to look at them last night and they all just turned around. Nice. <laughs> they were like, no. They're, we don't need to do. <laughs> wow. That's harsh, sheep. That's good boundaries. That's very harsh, I sheep. I know. I was, I was was, a little offended, but what are you going to do? So you played in Olympia last night. How was that? We did. It was really fun. We were playing um, with a local band called Nightmare, and they're like this very theatrical band. They put on a service, essentially dressed like angels, and... Um, at the, they, they gave out handbooks with, like, psalms so we could all sing along. At the end of the night, there was, like, I don't even know what it was, like, some kind of rebirth. Um, is it like a rebirth? Uh, no, it wasn't really. It was, like, or it was, like, uh, one of the members uh, had a realization that they were, like, Jesus Christ being reborn. And then that's great. Some, someone dressed. Do you know who the person in the crowd was supposed to be? So, another Jesus. religious figure? Oh. Maybe from a different... Re- I, it was kind of unclear. I, I maybe missed some verbal <laughs> yeah. cue there. But then they had like a full-on like fight that was like staged and fake, but like actually was convincingly real. Like There was like loud smacking, like face hitting the ground, kind of just like... Very intense for like fifteen minutes, like over a song. That's that's very <laughs> Andy Kaufman esque. I love it. I love it. That's yeah, amazing. It was awesome. So that sounds like <laughs> probably the most interesting show you've played on this tour so far. I don't know. They've all been really interesting. It's something about like booking your own like DIY tour makes every night very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I think also we're, we're uh, I think also because we're playing like as a two piece doing more electronic focused stuff or being booked with a lot of people that aren't like standard like rock format bands anymore. So we're getting a lot of true freakers. Love true freakers. <laughs> how, how was booking this tour, booking it all your, yourself? <laughs> it was hard. And Spencer did really a lot of work. But um, yeah, just like I, I haven't done 
a tour for my own project since before the pandemic happened and I like forgot what it feels like to be pulling on every like string like trying to remember who you know in random cities and then also just like the payoff is amazing like getting to like connect with all these people who like are really doing you favors and like but also just like kind of there for the for the art and for you know making things happen in small communities it's pretty sick yeah it has been it has been hard booking even like weekenders on the east coast have been challenging um trying to help people out and stuff like that yeah it seems like after the pandemic maybe there's like less people willing to go out but the people who do go out are uh more enthusiastic (laughs) very supportive yeah yeah so the last time we spoke Already like a couple of years ago. It was crazy how time flies. I know. Yeah, just relocated to Los Angeles from the Bay Area. You both previously had experience working at Tiny Telephone uh, under the tutelage mm-hmm. of John Vanderslice. And when you moved to L.A., <laughs> you opened up your own studio. Now it's totally up and running. It's called Wiggle World. How have things been going with okay. the studio? Where is it located? How's it set up? Uh, how's everything going with that? Yeah, it's going well. So the studio is in Altadena, which is just north of Los Angeles, um, up against the mountains. And it's going really well. We're like constantly getting new gear, rearranging things, meeting new clients. Um, I don't know, how would you say? It's been good. I mean, it's been uh, up and down as any other kind of like micro businesses uh i think i think we've done a really good job of like trying to focus on getting people in there that don't have like the budget from the studios we used to work at yeah. like that was kind of the emphasis with for the space was like making like a really affordable space um i mean also because we don't have like the money to like build out this like grand studio you know um and kind of like focus on working maybe a little bit less with like bands like in like indie world that we were recording at tiny telephone and focus more on like working a little bit more collaboratively with people. And I don't know, just working in different genres, which has been really fun. Yeah. What, what kind of genres have you been branching out to with the studio? Who've you worked with there and is the emphasis still on analog production and those kind of techniques that you learned at Tiny Telephone? Um, well, Spencer's been recording some cool artists. Uh, you want to talk about <laughs> Yeah, I... <laughs> Sorry, it's making me nervous. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... You know, it's it's so it's like me, Sammy, and Danielle working out of there. Although Sammy has been touring a lot like this past year, so hasn't been engineering all that much. But the way the space is set up, I've been working there a lot. And the way the space is set up, just out of the constraints of the space, because it's like a lot smaller. Um, we don't record to tape in there. It's a digital studio. We do have a tape machine that we use a lot for delay and tape loops and busting things down. Um, and that might change soon. We might get a smaller format tape machine, but, um, the focus on music has been a lot different. I mean, for a long time I was recording a lot of like punk and indie bands and still am, but, um, have put more effort into other areas. And I recorded a record with my friend, Matt Baldwin, that's coming out on this, label called leaving records which is like an la uh thing that kind of their whole thing is like is it all genre or non-genre but there's like a lot there's a lot of like electronic ambient kind of focus like experimental music on that label and then through being involved in that community of kind of pulled in some of their people like uh working on this project my friends josh and aaron right now um their project's called everyone's like a hip-hop thing um definitely starting to do 
I don't know, th- pulling things into like maybe the indie world, but like, I don't know, someone's more interested in like bringing in like tape loops or like weird synth shit into their stuff that would normally be like a rock formatted ensemble. What's that transition been like for you? Is that something where you kind of have to learn a lot of new things on the fly or, you know, how much are you taking from what you already know technique wise? Well, it's interesting because it's like, I feel like before, like with Tiny and like studio recording, it was like, we were learning some stuff on our own by fucking around, but like a lot of the like core basics we were learning was like at the studio from an older engineer yeah, and then using that to like record a band. But I would say now it's like, we're kind of teaching ourselves from just like preparing our live set, like with our format right now, it's like a lot of synths and sequencing and like it kind of more experimental, maybe more modern methods. And I think the process of us making our own music is really influencing how we're recording other people now. Interesting. And Sammy, who have you been on tour with? I know you play in Cherry Glazer too, and I think they were on tour recently. Have you been touring with any other bands? Yeah, so we did a big Cherry Glazer run um, last at the end of the last spring with um, Alt J in Portugal, the man, which oh, is wow. kind of crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think my friend Mitch was actually the drum tech for Portugal, the man on that oh, tour. Oh yeah, I remember Mitch. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a buddy of mine. Yeah, that's funny. Job. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was really funny. Yeah, we like we totally hung out with them. They're such sweet people. Um, but then I'm also playing in uh, the band Jerry Paper. Um, we did a big tour just after that. And then, like, yeah, between those two bands, kind of doing flyouts and little tours and big tours. And then finally came back in, like, September. Grounded in L.A. for a bit. And now we're on the road again. Yeah. It's great to be back on the road after all the non-road shit over the last few years so that's cool to hear i know yeah i really missed it (laughs) so let's talk about this new e p yes (laughs) new harry the nightgown ep it's called airy the light cloud tell me about how the name of that ep fits into the name (laughs) of the band because I know Sammy Harry the Nightgown uh, was uh, an imaginary friend slash tree. I think that you had as a kid. <laughs> What's correct. the meaning behind the name of uh, Airy the Light Cloud? Um, funny story. I think like the first iteration of our live project was a full band. There are four of us. Yeah. And I think one day during practice, we were just like going off on puns of our band name and there was like airy the light cloud larry is nice now scary the scary the night night clown um there were like there were quite a few more i forget but yeah um my my little sibling made a bunch of like t-shirts with like bleach that were all like one-offs like bleach paintbrush and they made a like this like huge clown face like there was like scary the night clown i think there was one area the light cloud one maybe but we were just kind of like riffing on these puns and then we needed a name for this thing to be able to release it and i feel like it was actually kind of informed by um like an old family friend of mine that i reconnected with like over like email as a pen pal recently who was like a nature photographer in colorado in like the 70s and 80s sent me a folder of his photos and there's like these beautiful photos of like clouds that he took from like airplanes and um we decided to use one of those as the cover i don't know it was like kind of maybe similar time it went, i don't know what influenced the other and how about the uh approach to recording this ep when compared with the full length you know you can hear more of those electronic elements in your sound now and you also just spoke about it what was it like recording this in your own space now using different recording methods uh, as compared to the the full length um yeah this one it's interesting this um we started recording these songs right during the shutdown um like at the beginning of the shutdown And we had booked time at Tiny Telephone, actually, during that week. Uh, So then when everything shut down, we, like, 
just quarantined at the studio. We were going to stay with my mom and I didn't want to do that in a pandemic. So we were like sleeping in the tech room. We were eating my like frozen Trader Joe's food in the microwave. (laughs) um, Cause there's not a kitchen there. Uh, We would like watch movies in the control room. Yeah. There's a really good uh, photo. Someone took on a point and shoot of the like bedroom that we were, that which was like a twin, like, like Amazon mattress, like with no sheets and like a crumpled sleeping bag on yeah. it. But it was in the room where all the gear would get fixed. So it was just like broken tape machines and like filing cabinets around. Me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. But that's like, that's how it started. And so then like, obviously the pandemic occurred and we like started building our studio and then finished the songs at our studio so it was kind of like a mix of our old analog ways and then yeah. bringing it into the digital space and like learning that space um yeah i mean there was like there was a substantial like gap like we like did a good chunk of the work on these songs like really i don't know the the most of the work on these songs like in that first month of like lockdown and then time flew by the studio shut down and then we decided to build this new studio and then almost like nine um, probably like a year plus went by before we like touched the songs again because we were just doing like planning and construction and just like real life shit and the world was like shut down but like um, yeah, there was like a big, I don't, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting to me because there's definitely a significant amount of time before you started, put the songs away, maybe didn't really think about them. And then, you know, reemerged a year later after, you know, a bunch of life experiences, also experiences working as engineers, getting a new studio space together. So how did you want to kind of finish the songs off when you emerged with them again after that period of time had passed? I mean, I think, I think we were kind of like pressuring ourselves pretty hard to make a full length record. Um, as we started jumping back into them and the pressure of, you know, we only had like four or five songs that we were really like had a chunk of work done on and that, that like pressure to, pump that out was I think pretty overwhelming with like the reality of like, Oh shit. Like we have to like work so much to be able to like keep going in life. And this project isn't like any sort of financial, like, I don't know. It, it, it it was like a, it was kind of like this like decision of like, Oh, okay. Let's just like finish what we have. Let's be realistic and not like, try and like keep up with the industry of like, we need to output, output, output. And, um, just kind of dove into just, I don't know. We did, we didn't really do all that much when we brought it to wiggle world. I mean, did we, we did do a lot. Yeah. Cause, uh, like pretty much all my vocal or not all my, a lot. Happened. I, it's like really hard to remember. <laughs> like that feels like a long time ago yeah. too. Yeah. There's definitely elements, but Yeah. I feel like this was like a, the, this EP was like a little bit of like, we like beat it over the head at first. And then it was like kind of like learning to let go a little bit because like we, I think when we did dive back into it, we put all this pressure on it. Like it had to be so precious. And then we kind of just hit a point where we're like, this is done and we finished it and just Mm -hmm. like didn't touch it. Yeah. It was really eye opening, like putting the tracks in from tiny from the tape and like, I know there was some, like, for example, what, sing song, one of the verses I did it at Wiggle and the rest I did it Tiny and, like, I don't know, it was sort of shocking to, like, hear, like, oh, wow, like, this is what <laughs> we've been working with, like, all these years. It's so like, spoiled. This amazing gear and, like, there's yeah. no way we can make this, like, UM70 sound like a, like a 67 on tape, you know? Yeah, we're basically, <laughs> like, working with, like, things that are, like, maybe 10% as nice as like the studio we had and trying to make it sound like that, which was, 
I mean, which I think is possible if you're really yeah. smart and like know what to do, but we weren't necessarily that smart <laughs> going into this. Now, I think now we are. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> I think you're there. I think you're smart. <laughs> I think you're super smart. <laughs> the CP sounds dumb. You. You're welcome. <laughs> And it starts off, I really love how every song on the EP is great. I love the opening track, Authentic. It you know, has a lot of synths. And also I love the, the static that you incorporate into that track. Tell us about the recording process behind that track, how you pieced it together, you know, how you kind of mixed in those sonic elements like the, the static that y- you hear on certain points of the points of the song. I remember that vividly. That was, that was like, we, I sat down at like an organ and that song started with like wanting, I was fucking around with a lot of tape loops at that time, um, like on quarter inch machines. Um, for those that don't know, like splicing a piece of tape. So it's in a continuous loop and, uh, recording onto it and then like maybe doing sound on sound and like infinitely recording onto the same loop over and over where things are kind of looping and out of time and warbling and really inconsistent and unpredictable. Um, but I was just starting to get into doing that in the studio and me and Sammy were making these tape loops of like this organ of just like holding down like one or two notes at a time, really simple so that it didn't clash and then we made a few different ones of those, and then we're printing those down to the main tape machine we were working on. And then I think I thought of this method from uh, there's an engineer, Miriam, who uh, worked at Tiny, and she always had like really strange techniques once in a while. I'd pick up on something, but I, I don't know if I saw in person or saw a video of her doing this, but she was reamping like a drum machine, snare drum through a guitar amp like sending it out of the track into a guitar amp and then the guitar amp was like laying on the ground and there was a snare drum on top of that and she was miking the snare drum wow and i was like wow that's fucking weird and then started (laughs) thinking about that and then we just sent the tape loops through an amp for one of the layers through the snare drum and then we're like distorting that and then affecting that and then like putting delay on that and like spreading it out through the stereo field and like mixing that in and out so like i think what you're referring to with the static is probably most likely that like really like buzzy snare beads. yeah yeah snare beads rattling on uh on an amp um and that yeah, but there was just like multiple layers of tape loops on that intro kind of interweaving until it gets to like the actual like song song. But that was like a really fun thing to make. And I feel like my first yeah. time maybe making like any sort of ambient thing with Sammy. Mm. Mm. It's really cool. It's cool how to hear this, how the sausage is made <laughs> for that one. Very cool because that would have never even crossed my mind of how that got made so that's very cool to to hear how the finished product uh was made for that one (laughs) moving on to swing song it's the ep's lead single i wanted to talk about uh some of the lyrical inspirations on that i know samuel you mentioned that the choir chorus they were inspired by a friend that was going through a dark time and you weren't able to connect with them because of the you know, physical distance as a result of the pandemic. Tell me a little bit about the lyrical inspirations of that track and how you feel the music kind of matches that mood. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit in pieces with like the verse and chorus, but the, yeah, the choir, I mean, basically when we were writing these songs, we weren't just at the studio, probably every other week we were going to this property up in Guerneville that our friend lived on. Um, and helping him like build a house for himself and take care of the land. And it was like a very, very off grid, super deep forest, like, like weird little funky living situation without a toilet. Yeah. (laughs) Which was honestly great. (laughs) (laughs) The toilet part? Not the toilet part. (laughs) I was going to say, you loved that. (laughs) It took me years to get used to that, but like being in nature for that period of time was, yeah, was awesome. And the only, like, I mean, 
one of like one of the hard parts though was like simultaneously a lot of my friends and our friends in in LA or in San Francisco really anywhere were just like not having a great time I mean obviously the world seemed like it was ending and um yeah I one of my closest friends just like like reached a really dark place and it was hard for and I I I, it was just hard because I wanted to be there and I couldn't and I don't think that like they ever there there wasn't really even a way to communicate that like that I wanted to be there and I couldn't be there but um we were like I don't know, we were doing a lot of introspective thinking while we were up there. And and that's kind of just when the lyrics came, like, it, we were, like, doing, like, burns of um, brush. And at, there was one night where we burned the fire so big that, like, the, the tops of the flames hit the oak tree that was overhanging. And I was oh, so damn. scared. <laughs> I was so scared that I was just going to, like bust into flames and we were all gonna burn but we didn't but it was also like beautiful to see like the embers like lighting up kind of the skeleton of the tree of the oak massive oak tree and um and i don't know i just like kind of made a comparison in my head that to my friend who it was like kind of this beautiful combusting person (laughs) um so yeah it's kind of just touching on that and in a dramatic way. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love the drama. Mm-hmm. Dramatic ways. Mm-hmm. Salty Pig, third track on the EP. I really definitely want to hear about the construction of that song. Acoustic guitars play a large role. And I really like how there are these two distinct moments of like almost silence where about for a second or two, it sounds like you could either hear this like it's these brief interstitials of like raindrops or like fire crackling in that song and i think it's it's really impactful to kind of just insert that in between two like peaks of sound in the song so tell me a little bit about how that song came together and and in particular those two you know those quieter moments in the in the song yeah it's funny because those quieter moments used to be even quieter um i feel like it used to be just silence yeah you could hear headphone bleed yeah you could hear headphone bleed (laughs) and like maybe like the rustling of clothing from a vocal take but um yeah adding the rain in was the last thing we did i wasn't even there spencer we mixed the the ep at a a studio called altamira which is our friends they're also old tiny telephone engineers but they built um this crazy massive all analog studio in alhambra it's awesome uh but we mixed it there and it was raining yeah um yeah the rain was really coming down that day and it was shocking because it was like i think it was the first time it had rained when there was a session there and that was like a really big concern for them of like oh is it going to be really noisy when the studio is built because they did I was also more invested in this too, because I worked on the construction team for two months on that studio. So I think I remember you telling me about that two years ago, I think (laughs) maybe that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And, um, I, we were all like, Oh shit. Is it, is it, is the rain going to bleed into recordings? And it it was like dead silent in the space. And we're like, Oh yeah. And we go to like open the back door and it's like pouring rain, like super loud. And it's like, wow, this sounds like amazing actually right now. And we were in the middle of like finishing the last part of mixing that song. And we we're mixing it like through a console. So it was like live-esque, you know, we're doing like takes of moving the faders and printing down the stereo track. And um, kind of honestly in the nature of like, electroacoustic kind of or just weird acoustic noise stuff in the same manner of like that snare drum trick on authentic of just like placing mics in strange places that like don't really make a lot of sense like and using those really dramatically in a mix sometimes um chose to throw a mic under the roof of like where people park and there's like rain just smacking against the concrete. And, um, just, I think we literally just mic'd that, put it through a preamp 
and then had that on a fader going into the console. So, like, the rain was, like, live on the mix. Like, we didn't, like, record the rain and then mix it in. Like, as I was printing the mix, it was, like... It's like if it stopped raining, it wasn't going to be in the mix. If a car drove by and honking. And they were also putting that into they have they have an echo chamber they built out like in a, like a basement that they just put like epoxy high gloss stuff in this like weird little concrete room, and so we're sending it into there to make it a little more dramatic. Um, but on those parts where the song kind of died down, it felt really this awkward gap of space before it's cool to hear that it's not it sounds that you like it because like for a while we were struggling with those gaps of space and it was kind of just something to smooth over those but i think those gaps of space kind of came from our songwriting technique of like not being theory people and just like writing chunks of sections and then it sometimes they're awkwardly like oh maybe there's an extra few beats here that doesn't make sense or like this chord doesn't make sense transitioning here so it needs a little silence you know nice yeah it sounds it sounds cool i like it a lot definitely and good fuck music theory by the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah it hasn't really come in handy And finally, tell me about the last track, uh, Folly. Um, Folly is fun. I feel like, honestly, that was in, like kind of inspired by, a, for me at least, a Frank Ocean song. Which one is it? So, so. Oh, nice. There's like, I hey, heard, for me, the guitar part, like there's a. Mm, oh, no, that's like, that's the other song that was like. <laughs> there's like a frank ocean song on blonde that starts with like a sample of like someone playing guitar but it's like very clearly like a bit crushed kind of sounding mm-hmm. like lo-fi sample of a guitar that's just like pitching differently yeah so we were like what if we play the chords with <laughs> with different tones and then like sample our own chords into this our own song <laughs> yeah so I, we had like sammy like literally like play the different chords on guitar and then it was crazy because we're sitting there in the studio and we're like i'm having her play guitar into (laughs) a sp404 like like 12 bit sampler like instead of like onto a computer like onto the tape it's like in i don't know we're in that era of intentional lo-fi stuff because it's like it feels nostalgic or something mm-hmm. yeah so we had we had the different chords on different paths on the sampler and then would play that in in different sequences like into the track manually mm-hmm. oh also you should talk about the well the track was called, originally called foley because oh, we right. don't we don't That's know the name of our song <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It started with that. We were like really going on. We were on one with the four hundred four, I guess. But I think that's how the song started. started. Actually, yeah. We just ran around the studio. Okay, again, like quarantining in a studio. What, like, bored also. Yeah. Yeah, we just like grabbed anything we could find in the kitchen and the lounges, and we sampled like forty or. 50 or 60 objects basically yeah or like mouth noises to create kind of the like sound beat i guess that's happening in there and then put that all in the 404 and then made like rhythmic sequences with them which is all of like the like clinky like like all that kind of all those noises that are in the drum beat there's like random the shit that we it could be like a a chip crunching in Sammy's mouth or like, like a Topo Chico bottle like bouncing around. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's yeah. the 404? Is that like a beat machine or something? It's like the classic like uh is it Boss or Roland? It's all it's kind of the same but um it's like the it came out in I think like the mid 2000s but it's like kind of just like a sampler with like 12 pads sampler. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's like kind of like the classic of like my generation of people, like the thing that's like pretty affordable that every, like every like beat maker from like probably like 2008 to 
the last few years had one of them. Gotcha. Very simple yeah. device, though. It's like Googled very it. simple. You've seen this at a show before. It looks cool. Yeah. Tell me about the transition from your, you know, full live lineup to now playing as a two-piece. What has that been like well, for you? We only played one show with a full band, which was really fun. And I, I, I do like that. And I would definitely be interested in doing a show like that again. But um, the two-piece is easy in a way. It's very, like, <laughs> self-contained. Like, we bring a mixer on stage. Um, we're mixing, like, we're mixing our whole thing and sending just like a stereo out to the house um which is fun we can do like live dubbing with effects uh sound people love us sound people love us it's easy <laughs> they don't have to do any work <laughs> at all yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome yeah and i don't know I'm still definitely getting used to like performing with less people and like with less instruments in, in front of me but um it's been fun yeah, it's been really fun. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, kind of like I said earlier, it puts us, because our like format is so different, it like is like the types of shows that we are playing are kind of breaking into, breaking outside. Like I feel like before it's like we would have just like only played with like indie bands. Um, yeah. Which is something like I feel like we we are like kind of in that wheelhouse of like our songwriting in a way, but I think we've both been really wanting to, I think we're both really tired of going to like indie band shows and people having their arms crossed and like not moving at all. And like, yeah. not that we need like our show to be like this crazy dance party or anything like that, but for, just for it to feel like a little <laughs> bit looser and like, I think yeah. like emphasis on like, being like sonically interesting, but also being like a fun thing to go to. That's not just like hypercritical, like straight face music, like, which I feel like so much indie shows like are like that now. Very true. All right. Now we're going to play the first three songs on the airy, the light cloud EP. We're going to hear authentic swing song and salty pig. Thank you. 
Yes, I could have tried a little harder to forgive you for the past. You know I'm squatting in the glass house over that bridge. Sorry. 
that right. We just heard the first three songs from the new Harry the Nightgown EP, Airy the Light Cloud. We heard Authentic Swing Song and Salty Pig. You can get the EP at the band's Bandcamp, which is located at harrythenightgown.bandcamp.com. Now we're going to play and talk about some of the records that Sammy and Spencer selected. Awesome record picks. (laughs) I've been DJing a lot more, so I've been, you know, getting a lot of 7 and 12 inch vinyl singles and you dove right into all those great (laughs) 7 and 12 inch vinyl singles here. Starting off with I Can't Go For That No Can Do My Haul and oats we're big hall and oats fans over here yeah sammy has a hall and oats cover band actually well it's not active it's more of like in theory but i really wanted to do an all female um, uh, hall and oats cover band called bitch girl <laughs> yes i would love that yeah it, it's gonna happen <laughs> so here in uh, jersey city new jersey where i live Halloween is like really big because they do this all cover artist thing at the cemetery here. And uh, it's in a cemetery and, you know, it's all all bands like playing, you know, as Hall & Oates or like Stereo Lab or something like that. And no one has done Hall & Oates recently. And I think someone really, really Maybe I'll get my ladies out to New Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you totally should. You get to play in the the cemetery that is in the Sopranos. Oh, amazing! The same one. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's the same one, and it's like a huge, just like over like a thousand people come and wow. hang out in this graveyard. It's like a that, good time. It's cool. Yeah, blast. I want to do that. <laughs> All right, next. Daft Punk by Daft Punk, another recent acquisition of mine for vinyl DJing. Perfect. Yeah, we were just listening to that in the car. I put that uh, on there because we played a show, or I played, uh, I guess without you, it's a different act, but uh, at a movie theater recently, the Balboa in San Francisco, which is this amazing old independent theater. And our friend put on a DVD of like a collection of like all the music videos Spike Jones has made, which I don't know if you've seen that. Like a a lot of his music videos are like that DVD of like the collection of his music videos, but it's like definitely like if you like music videos, it's just, it's so fucking good. (laughs) Um, But Daft Punk had that, that song, has a music video on that we were listening to a playlist of the music videos and it's just like nostalgia city like that collection of music but it's like i feel like the super important like glimpse in time of like the 90s like mainstream music industry intersecting with like very diy stuff um and like because like all these I don't know what his history is. I feel like he's like a skate filmer or something originally. But Yeah, I think so. Um, so it's like there's a lot of like really DIY looking like VHS cam stuff, but like with like huge artists, you know, um, like super low budget, but like high. I mean, probably high budget realistically, but like lots of cool ideas. But yeah, we love Daft Punk and that mm-hmm. that video is awesome next up miss modular by stereo lab who we're on tour recently. That's right. Didn't get I to didn't see get them, to see though, them either. Did you? 
I didn't get to see them. I saw them before the pandemic. But, yeah, okay, this is another talking piece for me, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'll be short with this one. That (laughs) song in particular, that's what got me into Stereo Lab when I was younger. Uh, Someone showed me that song, and I'll just make it brief, but, like, I think Stereo Lab completely was, like, the main influence in me getting into recording and trying to make like a yeah. lot of weird sounds in music like around the time that I met Sammy. So I feel like that was like very influential on like both of us like directly and indirectly. Another very important band, Wire, Outdoor Miner, another seven-inch single that I recently acquired. Both people love hearing Wire and Stereo Lab and Daft Punk and Dar- <laughs> and Hall and Oates while DJ. Because I was just going to say people love hearing Wire, but then I'm like, oh, they actually <laughs> love hearing all of these yeah, songs. These are the so, dance hits. Um. <laughs> yeah, these are the hits. Yeah, that. That Wire song, I feel like, was we were playing it a lot when we first met um, and kind of started collaborating. I feel like, yeah, kind of between that Wire song and like the Stereo Lab track, it's like we sort of, at least, yeah, when we first started, like that's sort of where we lived genre wise, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like something we connect on over that Wire thing is like Wire, I mean, I don't know if we like if people want to get really specific, but to me, they're kind of like a punk band and esque, and that, yeah, I think what is special about that outdoor minor track is like this band. that's like usually a lot heavier than that and like more intense. And it's just like this beautiful, like songy song. And I feel like me and Sammy are both kind of after that from like, Coming from more like punk band backgrounds into songy stuff. <laughs> Poppy. Yeah. Sly and the Family Stone singles. Family Affair and Running Away. So I figured I'd group them together. Yeah, that was sort of the intention. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page yeah, there. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, those recordings are just kind of insane. And it's kind, kind of, of like the best yeah. of like all music in a way. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I feel like the 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 recordings were pretty inspiring and relevant for like the EP we just did, um, like tone wise, and just knowing like the met- size methods and like I don't know what do you say. Yeah, I feel like I've heard so many. What, what, what method? I I I feel like I've what heard a bunch of like stories about how that record was made yeah. and like one person's like oh is it the studio in the band and another person's like no is his house in la it's like the person's like it was in his van like <laughs> and i don't know what the actual truth is but i think there's it's very clear that that record in particular has a lot of like super bootleggy diy things mixed with studio record like it's a lot of every song pretty much has like the same drum machine like uh, like you know, 60s, 70s sounding drum machine beat and then like overdubs on top of that. And it feels like very like, you feel like you're in your, in his bedroom. Yeah. You know? And you can like kind of hear the way things wow. are stitched together between like different, uh, yeah, different like times or places like the bed. Like, I feel like you can tell like, yeah, like the, like there's initial tracks done in like a bedroom kind of situation. And then, somebody like overdubbed on it and it sounds like really great. And it's, I just like that sort of like quilted recording method. Yeah. This is uh, not on one of those songs, but on that record, there's what's that one. That's like, uh, what is the song? It's like kind of like a, um, 
oh my god, I forget what it is, but it's like there's this moment where it's like he's singing, and then all of a sudden the drums come in, and there's like there's like crazy or it's like or no, sorry, he's not singing. The drums are going, and then all of a sudden the vocals come in, and there's all this drum bleed in the vocal microphone, and it totally changes the tonality of the entire track, but like is so rough and kept in there and is a thing that as an engineer, you'd be like, Oh my God, this is so ugly, but it's like so special and really inspiring. Honestly, stuff like that is crazy because I always think about how many times do you think something similar like that happened and it could have turned out sounding really unique and special and cool. But then someone was like, Oh no, this is a like yeah yeah this is or, a no no you know, and then it's just like cut mm-hmm. yeah not this time <laughs> thanks for teaching me a lot about this record because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know all this stuff that's cool everyone listening I hope you enjoyed that you know learning experience about this Sly and the Family yes. Stone record because I sure did you see it's in the blood. Both kids are good and brown. Blood's thicker than the mud. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. This last song is a real dance floor uh, packer. Bizarre love love triangle, the extended dance mix by New Order. Yeah, our friend has that on vinyl too. And this last year over New Year's, we were like, we kind of had a mega tiny party rave. (laughs) We had like the the hardest like 12 person dance party for three days. Yeah. And probably listen to that extended a version times. a few times and that always just hit and i feel like that really that maybe might be inspiring more of the new stuff that hasn't come out yet actually but um yeah i love it i, I mean that's kind of like the pinnacle like pairing of like you know i don't know people going from like guitar music songwriting stuff mixing it with like bringing that to like a dance floor from like from the wheelhouse yeah. that we come from at least i mean i I can't say that's a pinnacle of everything, but like for, you know, rock esque format going into electronic worlds, which is really inspiring for us. Yeah. I'm from that wheelhouse too. I feel the journey. We've been on that journey. Yeah. Great journey. Sammy, you mentioned, you know, that last song inspiring the newer mm-hmm. Harry, the Nightgown stuff. What's next for the band then? It sounds like, you know, there's more new songs in the works. Mm-hmm. I know you're on tour right now. Mm-hmm. What's what's next for uh, this project? Yeah, we, um, we're definitely like, now that we have our own studio, we're just, we can kind of like spend more time recording and that's exactly what we've been doing. Getting a little more into like dancey electronic stuff with like now that we have the Octatrack and like all these new creative ways to do sequencing. Um, working on a new album for that, but it might be a while because <laughs> we only have a couple songs um, on tour right now. Hopefully, we we get to play around even more after this. Yeah, I think it's just uh, us trying to make time in our schedules to put together some new tracks and stuff i don't know we're like four songs into like a new record maybe and kind of mm-hmm. contemplating whether we take the modern like just keep dropping singles and like be more relevant approach or like try and do another full-length record that's more of an experience 
I don't know if you have a, a, <laughs> in a any advice. I think keep doing oh, what you're doing. You're doing chef's fan. choice here. <laughs> and uh, the singles last year were great. The full length. Um, you know, I remember sharing a lot of the full length of the, uh, several people too, and everyone Thank really you. liked it. And this new EP is great as well. Thank you so, so much. Maybe another EP. People love, people EPs, love EPs. You know, it's like a little yeah, taste. Yeah, sampler you know? platter. <laughs> little taste of what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Everyone, you can get Airy the Light Cloud along with the rest of the Harry the Nightgown discography, including their 2020 debut full length, which is self-titled at harrythenightgown.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for having us. This yes, was really thank fun. You. We're going to play the last song on the EP before we go. This is called Folly. Day I've been pushing my eyelids up.